0: Katrina. Katrina's here.
1: What's up? I was just adjusting my mic. How's the sound?
0: Beautiful. Amazing. It's, it's a thousand times better than Jeff's, which is great. <laughs> and Elena, who's going to sound like Miss Radio voice? Look at that microphone with that Oh my god. Okay. She's well, it's a because
1: quickness.
2: Well, it's because when I saw Katrina's pop screen when I went to their place a few weeks ago, I was like, "Oh, you're right. I got to get good with my pops and my p's and my
0: s's." Are you a, I, are you I a spitter by nature? Away. Where you like have a hard time with your Ps and Ss? It,
2: it's just more of an audio geeky thing.
0: It is so, <laughs> so when you're recording
2: voiceover, you know all of that p-p-p-p versus. Very different. That's also a very Yiddish, kind of Jewish grandmother thing to do when we're gossiping. To do so now you know.
0: It sounds kind of rapish to me, but that's my age, so. uh.
2: You know, old, old Jewish bubby ladies, I'm sure could get down with some rap for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Jess, I'm going to turn it over to you to do some intros um, while we, while we have you before we lose you.
3: Yeah. Uh, How to introduce this lineup. First of all, these are two human beings who I completely love and admire uh, for the work they do, but also just for the humans they are. Uh, And thanks for trying to combo you together here. I had this vision of storytelling for work. Uh, And you're both professionals at this. You have a lot of expertise to offer, Um, and I think it's, I'd love to have, you know me, I'd love to have more conversations around storytelling for work, but particularly now. It's astonishing to me that we've gone from like, remember this time last year we were watching, and even earlier in 2020, we were watching the unemployment numbers just spike and spike and spike. It was crazy. We were experiencing record unemployment numbers. And now, as we tell the story, uh, employers can't hire enough bodies fast enough. So we've completely, the talent pools have been stirred and shifted. Um, I, I, ju- I just think the hiring, the way we talk to people about hiring and work, um, needs to evolve. And I'm not sure if it is. And I'd love the two of you to, to talk to us a little bit about that. So maybe just by way of intro, for for people who don't know the two of you yet, you want to introduce yourselves and your businesses for what your actual expertise is?
1: After you love.
2: Okay. I am uh, the proud servant leader of a company called Skill Scout Films. And we exist to capture the humanity of work through stories that matter, primarily through the medium of film. And this is really based on the premise of a quote that you cannot be what you cannot see. And the reason why we started this had everything to do with that um, job descriptions don't show what a job is like. And we have young people who lack access and exposure to jobs and are flailing as a result. And so inevitably we saw that there was a power in video, a power in storytelling, initially just to get young people excited about the world of work but inevitably to realize that companies are equally struggling to differentiate themselves and to tell the unique stories of their business, which inevitably all really are um, an aggregate of the multiple stories of their employees. And so that is why we exist and have, you know, really had the honor of working with companies, large and small and built this business very proudly on the shoulders of small to Midwest manufacturers. Uh, who definitely suffer from both a skills gap and also a perception. So, you know, we've really found that that this approach and, and really thinking about storytelling, perhaps in an our way, in a visual way, uh, really, really does wonders to help really support. I think the mission and stories behind our companies.
1: Yeah. So I uh, I actually advised Elena's company prior to starting my own. My name's Katrina Kibben. I'm a founder and CEO of a company called Three Ears Media, and we teach recruiters to write. You know, I I feel like somehow a seed was planted uh, in my work with Elena very early on and understanding that we did need that video element. And so I started my company to teach people how to write job postings because for the last 100 years, job postings were used and requirements were used to keep great people out of work, not to get them in. And we didn't realize because no one was taught how to write a job posting in the first place. And so through my work, through my research, I've been able to create a methodology that teaches people how to create job postings with clarity and truly to tell the story of that work so people can read and understand and imagine the, the change of their entire life. That's what a job posting is, is the story of someone's life, because mm-hmm. a job is not a small piece. And so I've been very proud and honored to have this company that is really pushing that needle and starting to change that conversation so that people can really dig in and know what to do, because it's not hard. But so many recruiters start from a place of saying, well, I'm not a writer. And that's just not true. You're brilliant. You're, you know the story and my team teaches you how to put it down on paper. Note, I also use they, them pronouns. I just wanna mention that out from the gate.
3: Yeah, thank you. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about, Katrina. When we tell the story of work using inclusive language in the workplace, how we talk about people and the work they do, the value they contribute Our use of language matters. Let's just start with that. Language matters. Storytelling matters. And so how we storytell work includes the use of inclusive language. And I'm sure you advise on that a little bit too, job advertisements and otherwise. So Thank you for sharing that Um, and and I'd love to get more into inclusive language in the workplace, more broadly speaking, even in terms of like the user interfaces we experience, everything that we see and witness in the course of doing, you know, accessing systems and completing forms and doing our work and communicating with each other, I think that's a massive opportunity that still needs to be addressed. Yeah. I've probably screwed up already today.
1: No, you're okay. (laughs) No, and Elina said, you know, we cannot do what we cannot see. Yeah. And so let me give you a great example. You're going through the apply process and it says, add your gender here. Mm. And you're not there. Right. What, what, a, it sends a message and says a lot without saying anything at all. Yeah. And it's little moments and then it's the big moments too. It's, it's watching a video. It's seeing the story and really. And I would love Elena's thoughts on this too. I feel like a lot of people just put words on the wall mm-hmm. and they don't create messages and media that translate the feeling. And that's where we miss that gap because inclusion means being translating, it's translating the feeling of belonging. That's what it yeah. means to me.
2: And this is how it's changed in co- you know in kind of the, the COVID, post-COVID world. Is inevitably, I think for a long time companies could rest on the on the laurels of the definitions of their values, as opposed to some real life examples, mm-hmm. as opposed to saying, here's the receipts of what we really mean when we mean that we are a humble company or we are a flexible company or we are a company driven by empathy. You know, we can no longer talk about the abstracts of these values a lot of the things that both of us do in our work in in the discovery phase for all of our clients is tell me a moment when humility truly showed up in your work or flexibility, because if you don't have examples, if your employees cannot come up with stories, this will be a completely bullshit exercise and you are just putting lipstick on a pig. And the biggest difference between what me and Katrina do in this space versus marketers for a business brand is that we are working with candidates who can smell and see bullshit from a mile away, mm-hmm. which means that everything absolutely has to be grounded in some real life stories or which is a potential learning moment, which is something we find in most of our work. If you can't bring up an example of humility or flexibility, is that a real value? for your company? And do we then have to think differently or choose a value that is much more reflective of the mission of your work?
3: Yeah. So we were already terrible at at this. Like you talked about being marketers for a consumer brand. I don't know that talent acquisition professionals knew how to be good marketers of a talent brand before. And now, I mean, we were trying, right? And that space has evolved beautifully, employer branding and recruitment marketing and talent attraction. We're stealing and borrowing and taking notes from marketing all over the place. So there's tons of innovation happening and we're doing much better than we were before. But we were still, Katrina, the reason your business exists is because we still stink at some really common stuff, like how we describe work and jobs and making work about people, not about just us as the employer. I need, 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 need. Well, what opportunity? Like, how do I craft an employee value proposition that is true <laughs> to, to Elena's point? So now that everything has changed, work has changed, everything's been reset, People, what, what people value and care about has shifted, uh, where and how we do our work, like literally everything has evolved. Is this the opportunity we have to evolve the way we talk about it, too? Are you seeing that shift from employers? Absolutely.
0: Jess, if I could just before you jump in, I mean, for for me and Jess, I mean, you heard my conversation this morning on our morning company call. Like the labor market right now is messed up, like it's more messed up than it's ever been. Um, you cannot go into an organization almost and find them not looking for labor. And some of it's terrible. I mean, some of the ways they're looking are absolutely terrible. Um, and they're like, they're grasping for straws. I mean, I shared the story that I went into a Home Depot and, you know, instead of asking me if I needed help finding something, they asked me if I was looking for a job or knew anyone that was looking for a job. That was the first question. And, and that's, that's crazy. To me, you know, and um, you know, this is new. Is have- it though? Like, well,
2: is, is it is it is it more just from like the timing that you would go to Home Depot and they'd ask? Because, for example, Container Store, they've always done that. So, is so, it is it just so that Elena, you were surprised that it was in in that particular space that you'd be surprised at Home Depot would do that?
0: Yeah, Elena, it could be. It could okay. be just a surprise about that. Uh, It could be a surprise that, you know, when you're driving through Chick-fil-A, the number of texts, text so-and-so to get a job, you know, you know, it could be that. Uh, It could be that I was on the phone with a big casino today who said, post-pandemic, no one wants to come back to a casino that's filled with smoke and work inside. So now we're having to hire people that are 20 or 30 years older. And all of our other processes that we had in place don't work for those people. Um, you know, it could be Domino's who can't find drivers because they used to take cash tips. And that's why Domino's drivers wanted to work there. And now there's no more cash. So there's, I mean, to me, it's a massive number of things. And that's why I'm sorry to, I didn't want to throw off the question. But yeah. I, Katrina, you know, when Jess is saying everything's changed, that's to me, everything's changed, including my 16-year-old not wanting to go get a job. Because he can make. Oh no,
2: Jason! Your sixteen-year-old should be getting a job. <laughs>
0: well, he, excuse me. Let me rephrase. He has a job, but it's a different job than what I did when I was sixteen.
1: Exactly. <laughs> and and to comment on the Home Depot moment, my issue with that is that that's misappropriation of a moment with your con- with your customer. Your responsibility when a customer comes in your store is to help them. That's how you convince someone they want to work there because you are helpful, because you display critical core values that translate a moment into a feeling that you want to belong to over and over again. And so I would say, I would be upset if I were the TA leader of Home Depot to hear that that those were the first words out of their mouth, because that's not what we're trying to do. That conveys the wrong message. And that's why you remember it, because it was wrong and it didn't feel good. However, I think what what we should be doing and what the change should be is that we should be taking more of an anthropological approach to this change. We don't know the answers. That's the whole freaking point of the pandemic is that it proved that we don't we can't predict the future. We can't future proof shit. Right? Truly. All we can do is prepare for now and adapt and adjust to the future. And if I were that company, I'd be going out to my people and being like where did you find your best people think of your best the best person you know who's done this job okay how did they find the job what do you remember from your application process right i'm going to ask you about your key moments because you're my best people and i want to replicate those moments for you And those multiply, I'm actually doing this exact project for a pizza company right now that's really struggling. And we went in, we asked the best people that work there, what they remember, and we've been able to multiply that into a strategy that's actually working for them right now while all other restaurants are struggling. Because it's for them, it's not best in class. Best in class does not mean best for you. And I'm sure I said that on our podcast and I will preach that until the end. Yeah. So agree. And that's the power of
3: what both of you do is that you illustrate culture, employer brand, talent brand, employee experience. You illustrate that at the very top end of the funnel. The very first opportunity I, the employer, have to tell you my story is in that attraction process. And that story needs to resonate all the way through the process. And it doesn't, so often it doesn't because we like to You know, pay lip service to whatever we think our values are that are probably a little bit aspirational anyway. But is that really what it feels like to work here? Is that really what it looks like to perform my job? And now that, you know, where and how and all of the, you know, how we do our job or how we expect people to perform and how we expect to monitor and incent and reward and congratulate your performance. Like literally all of that has changed. So really, truly tell me what it's like to belong here, what it's like to be a high performer here and be realistic because it's that bait and switch that always drove me nuts in the talent acquisition space. It's that bait and switch that once I get in the door and if I, if I feel any jarring, any sort of like jolting of like, you know, of experience, then I think that I I think that all of that, all of a sudden I start to question and that's where you start to see engagement. You know, I might become a flight risk. That's when my productivity, you know, you, you have every opportunity to turn me into a highly engaged, high performer. But if the experience doesn't match up to the promise that was made, then I start to slip and getting an employee back to high engagement, high productivity, high performing, somebody who would refer friends and bring people in who's going to deliver the the best customer service like all of that is at stake and so i, mm-hmm. I just i think the, the power of what you two do at the very top end of the funnel
0: uh is so so incredibly important so just and so guys i just have to interrupt for one second so the number of people that are saying that we can't future-proof shit based on <laughs> what you said, Katrina. Uh, is a uh, overwhelming. And I even know that someone else on this Long in the this day. in this four box here used future proof with me in the last week or two. Uh, I won't reveal names, Jess. Uh, <laughs> but when you when you said when you when you said we
3: can't Yeah,
0: yeah. Jess you just created about another 10 hours of work for Jess this weekend, Katrina, just so you know. Um, but when when you said we can't future-proof shit, now that the fact that that's on Twitter right now,
3: yeah.
0: um, c- can you talk about what you mean by that? Because it, you know, Tiffany caught on to it. Christine said that perfectly sums up how COVID has changed her life.
1: Yeah, um, I think there's kind of two answers, and I'm going to give my spiritual answer and my business answer since Elena's here and she always inspires me to like talk about my real truth. So my real truth is that i've been in a lot of business coaching and the most effective element of my business coaching has been to focus on now to be in the now to observe and act from here because truly tomorrow is not guaranteed to you you mentioned that at the top of this hour i think we all know that as humans tomorrow is not guaranteed how do we influence and leave heart on today. I want to do that. Now, the business answer is my truth, which is, in March of 2020, I had 20 speaking gigs and four enormous contracts that would have changed my life. I mean, and these were hospitality, amusement parks, uh, enormous I mean the biggest companies in the world okay you would all know their names if i said them every single one of those opportunities left my desk in two weeks Mm -hmm. okay the storytelling of work i translated my skills and my team skills we all switched from being able to write great job posts we added an and we could all write people's stories because we watched that unemployment number skyrocket we changed our business we added that so that every person on my team has talent to write the story of work and the story of humans right mm-hmm. we had to change everything and i know that has changed how this business will function today and every day and actually i think elaine and i were just having this conversation a few weeks ago mm-hmm.
2: i mean inevitably it's you know, the true metal of companies and the true metal of people come out during times of crisis, not during times of happiness. And you know, I'm all, I'm also very upfront with what last year was for me. I lost 48% of my business. We were also expected to have, you know, one of the best years that that we had. Yeah. And so I had two prayers, that Still Scout would still be standing and that I didn't have to let anyone go or reduce salaries. And Skill Scout is still standing, and I have to let a new go to reduce salaries. And inevitably, right? I think what we're what we're getting at here is that there's a very Buddhist principle behind how and why we have to be present, because so many things are out of our control. So inevitably, the only things that we control we can control our own reactions to how we behave, which in the business sense comes out in something very in a beautiful framework like agility or <laughs> flexibility or, or or whatever that is, but inevitably I like to kind of almost see it as you know we're all swimming on an ocean and we try really hard to try to swim in the other direction. And inevitably the truth is that direction of that wind and of that ocean is always kind of going to be there. The only thing that we have control of is how well we can build our ship. how well, you know, are we, gonna, are we gonna go with the flow on a dinghy? Are we gonna go with the flow on a yacht and drive that shit to Monaco and watch an F1 race?
1: Yes, you are.
2: So, you know, I think like that, that inevitably is, I think, what all of us have experienced here is that we have to learn how to control our ships, not the flow or wind of the ocean.
1: And I gotta that's say, proof is bullshit. Elena, I thought you were gonna tell the water story. So this is the other story that Elena always tells me. And I think it's a really great illustration of this idea of future proofing and our our sometimes it, it creates a, a different line of vision because so uh, and this is one of your Buddhist stories. I don't want to tell it for you, but long story short, it's like this guy's on in a boat on the water. Like, right. And is desperate for a drink. But doesn't like assumes that the water that they are floating on is not drink worthy. So they are about to die. And they finally come upon I'll get to the water, I'll get to the water. They're they're like struggling to survive and they come upon shore and the guys like, "You were on good drinking water the whole time." I think sometimes when we future proof, we don't today proof. We don't bring our heart to today. Amen. Wow. I love it you
3: too. So how how can employers get closer to this kind of truth-telling when it comes to their values, inclusion and belonging, just the reality of work and opportunity, what they expect of people? Don't you think employment relationships would be so much better so much healthier if there was just truth telling from both sides. This is what I want to do. Great. This is what we want you to do here. Like how how can we get better at that kind of truth telling?
2: I mean, I think the short answer is for both of us. It's your employees. Certainly no, not the no, employer no. or the boss. And I'll let Katrina give their take first.
1: No, I I uh... I tell people when I go into, you know, business development conversations, the first time we meet, I say the difference between me and everyone else is I tell the truth and it'll sound like you, right? Um, I think that's a very unique aspect of our copywriting business is that we record and transcribe every single conversation because when I write, when my team writes, Mm we failed if it sounds like us or it only Mm -hmm. represents a c-suite perspective it should sound like a great conversation with your team so if we were to write something for leap gen i would hope it would sound like this conversation right here Mm -hmm. because this is a reflection of who you are between you two right and so truly i believe it's a matter of telling the truth and telling your hard truth right There's this element of, example, I get a lot of people coming to me with hard to fill jobs, of course. What better way to invest around a hard to fill job than to change your requirement? How do we ask? Because that's the one variable we can control, how we ask. And so they come to me and they're like, everyone quits in 30 days. I say, why do they quit? And they give me the answer. And I'm like, that's going to be our first sentence. You watch panic wash over them. But it works. Every single time. Because if you are upfront and honest with people, truth becomes a value that runs all the way through and improves the outcome.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, every, of course, we do digital transformation for enterprises and with solution providers, but we talk about redesigning work and human-centered design of workforce experience, not making technology itself the experience, but actually designing work in a way that makes people happy and effective. And part of that is persona development and journey mapping and listening, listening through lots of tools, including data that you already have laying everywhere in your HR systems, but also surveying and asking and other ways of getting that input, it's really the same thing. You shouldn't be designing a single thing. You shouldn't be rolling out a single tool or application. If you haven't asked people, will this work for you? What do you want? Is this the way you work? Is this the way you can best work? And it's sort of stunning to me that we don't—that more companies aren't doing this more. But but that's shifting. That is definitely shifting. Would
0: you agree, Jason? Every day, every day. And it's one of the things that's really hard about—well, hard. Yet uh, I think Katrina said it really well about the now, and it's—it requires us to to not think that far, you know, not plan for the two years from now. You know what's the labor? I mean, uh, well, I won't. I mean, I was with an organization uh, three days ago that said they're working on their ten-year labor plan. I'm like, what? Ten-year labor plan? Like, I I mean, fine, cool. Um, They actually asked us if we would do it. I'm like, I would never take someone's money to build a ten-year labor plan. Um, It's just not, you know, it's something they're not going to use, and they're going to look back at it. Um, and say, God, why do people do this? So I think it's just really, really important that we what Katrina said, focus on the now and what Elena said, which is and, and Katrina said, which is about the the truth. Um you know, in everything that we do. Um but I think I do think, and there was some back to my Home Depot thing, Elena, that I'm not gonna get off that topic yet, just because it's still <laughs> weird to me. Um <laughs> and now that you questioned me, it's even weirder. Um <laughs> no not because, I guess because
2: the, the question the question that i didn't ask you was like how did it make you feel because i think maybe katrina made some assumptions that it didn't make you feel good i'm so, asking you when you heard that how did it make you feel
0: so unfortunately as an hr person and someone that's very familiar with the space my mind went to labor shortage um now how would it make me feel if i was just you know an average uh dad looking for a, you know going into home depot and you know some of the maybe assuming I had a kid or maybe I looked unemployed and they thought I wanted a job, Um, it it might've made me feel okay. Um, But I I go back to what I really like what Katrina said also, which is I'm not sure that's the right moment Um, when you just walk in and you're sweating because it's hot outside and you're wearing a t-shirt and shorts. And instead of asking you what they can help with, they ask if you want a job.
2: Yeah. And so if we really had to get into that, and this actually even goes all the way back to like Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, right? Which is inevitably for people to move, you need to attach an emotion to the action, right? It's the whole idea that maybe the right moment should have been that you have someone that's helping you. You just can't find anything at Home Depot, Jason. You're just frustrated, toilet's broken, you're just trying to figure something out. And in walks Joe in the plumbing department and he's like, yeah, let me help you out takes you around, solves your problem, you feel just like so ultimately excited. he starts to ask some calibrated questions, right He's being trained to, you know, you know, start to kind of pull out the story a little bit and understand your experience a little bit of like, well Jason, have you have you had to fix toilets before? have you like, have you yeah, yeah. before? How have you approached it? And then inevitably once he can delight you, then he says, and Jason, look, this may or may not be a fit for you, just but just wanted to share in case there are other, you know, if it's yourself, uh, we are hiring here. In the event, you know, I noticed that there is some savviness to you. We could always use more of that, right? And I yeah. think like that's that's that could be a key moment of you're now attaching an activity that actually happened, and you were he was able to assess this is a positive emotion, and yeah. then potentially make the ask there.
1: That's See, one way. So I'm thinking of two moments and mind you, I, I do all of this backwards. So whenever someone comes to me for, we do candidate experience assessments and we'll assess your entire experience. Then we talk to the team and make recommendations based on what they told us. So it's all, it's taking best in class and making it yours. I call it like taking a family tradition. You know, if you think about like how you celebrate a certain holiday, that's what we do with candidate experience is make it like you would celebrate it. And so I'm thinking like Home Depot, OK? And this is an example that I used for another company. But the first place that I'm thinking, you go through that moment where you're helping Jason, helping Jason, and then you go, Jason, I got to run. We are super understaffed. If you know anybody who wants to work here, please let me know. Like you send them to me, OK? And run away because what you just did is created urgency and need. I could stay with you longer, but we don't have other people. Number two, if I see someone being helpful, example. Uh, I'll go to Lowe's to do some yard work this weekend, and I'm helping an older woman because she can't lift these 50-pound bags of sand. And so I'm sitting there helping because there's not enough staff, and I could tell she needed help. There better be a staff member who runs to me and goes, dude, if you want a job, you let me know. Like, I'll get you an application right now. Who do you want to talk to? That's the moment. They should be able to escalate in a moment That is representative of what their best people would do. What would your best people do if they saw someone who needed help? They'd help go find helpers. And we create that profile instead of what I think happened, which is we make biased assumptions based on looking at the person. I wonder if Jess would have walked in right behind Jason and they asked Jess if Jess wanted to work at Home Depot. I would bet not. Mm-hmm. We just layered in a, in, in a bias. I feel like they asked you because you're a man, right? And I know that would probably happen over and over again and we would have no data to support it because we're using un, like, bias that we haven't talked about yet. Unconscious.
3: Yep. Mm-hmm. Jason, we're gonna test that when I get back from Sturgis next week, we're going to Home Depot together, separately, but together. <laughs> I'll bet you. A job offer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I would hope
2: with have. the guns but, that I mean, the qu- has, hold on be like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Before Jess should we be working
3: that, at Home Depot.
0: Yeah, before we do that, Jess, you need to tell me if you're going to go and be dressed in your overalls and stuff. Uh, there's, uh, there's...
3: Oh, true, true. Yeah, so we want to do some Thank serious tests. We're, so we're once with overalls <laughs> and a separate time in a dress and heels. How about that? Greg wants to
0: know how you are how you are on toilets. <laughs>
3: Um, I did have to call in help last year because Bailey flushed some t- some uh, tub toys down the toilet and caused a problem for the whole condo building. <laughs> so I'm not so good. We should ask Bailey how she does.
0: <laughs> right. I, I will share one other thing though that I, I and I, you know I, instead of being asked, I and I, I hate to shit to you you guys think that's all I'm going to do is shop, but I did happen to go into another store yesterday, a Nordstrom. <laughs> And Nordstrom Rack, uh, in the front of the store, has a whole huge Pride display. Um, Everything from Pride Yetis to Pride speakers to Pride towels. And then right on that same Pride display, they had the same basic job offer for me. Mm. And it wasn't someone there asking. It was basically right there for me to see Saying, you know, and, and I, I should have taken a picture, uh, talked about they're supporting equality and they're looking to hire. And I think it's just really interesting. It's another way to go at it. You guys might say it's the same way. It's, I mean, we're trying to, they're trying to do the same thing, but the approach is different. And I felt completely different, A, and b. To I hate to say this, but to be honest with you, I wanted to shop at Nordstrom Rack more after seeing that. Than I did at Home Depot, where the you know the A asked me if I wanted a job and B, the um, the line to check out was thirty people long. So I, I just think all of that is just really fascinating to watch right now, um, and you know for you guys that are telling stories, uh, I just think that we all have to get so much better at that.
3: Okay, Bob and Taylor are kind of slaying the chat right now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was not wearing anything that said, hire me. So don't stop saying that y'all. Well, but I
1: think that's an example of an outdated approach. Like, so in my head, I'm like, okay, makes sense. Right? I'm not a huge fan of the whole rainbow washing because example, yesterday I did a pride panel and every single queer person showed up wearing black and I was like, see, Really, we need a line of all black clothes for pride because that's what we actually enjoy wearing, not rainbows. But <laughs> to the conversation, um, I, I think that is so outdated to like put up a poster, right? Yeah. Why not have a little video there that's talking to people and it's interactive? Why not have show versus tell, okay? So an yeah. example, we support the LGBT community. Show me the money i yep. don't want to see your rainbows i, I don't give a yeah. shit that your logo is it's like let us tell the story
2: right i mean i think the <laughs> most beautiful thing is you know when we have all these companies for example saying we're a part of the community it's like great if you're that local nordstrom rack in chicago then or that local nordstrom rack out of st paul minneapolis minnesota mm-hmm. like help me understand what local organizations have you been supporting mm-hmm. help us tell those stories and in fact most likely they if you do your if you play your cards right they're absolutely a talent pipeline for you.
1: I yeah. mean, Elena, how cool would it be? You walk in and you hear we're in the community every day and you see them at Pride and you see people dancing. There's or music imagine
2: see, this is where I think visual merchandisers of a lot of these stores could take um take a take a thing or two from Shinola. So if anyone has ever walked into a Shinola store, you immediately get the feeling that you have been transplanted into Detroit and on the walls are photos and quotes and stories of the leather tanners and of the watchmakers. Nike does this as well for their orientations. They they run the same track as Bill Bowerman at the University of Oregon so that they can get themselves in the mindset of what that experience was like. Right. And I think we really have an opportunity, be it digitally, right, or be it in our physical spaces, for our employees to drive the stories of what makes up the narratives of our workplace. I think that's the biggest difference between now and prior.
0: Is so, that before? So, sorry, Gallon, finish. Sorry.
2: So whereas before, you know, I think because due to technology. Due to access, there was really only one primary narrative that was being told. Talk now. Everyone now has platforms, yes. which means that it should absolutely behoove us to ensure that we have as many people being able to capture and share their stories as much as possible. That's the biggest, that's one of the biggest difference. And our candidates and our society is demanding it. Mm-hmm. Like this is no longer like in our space, even when we started like doing this, even before skill scout, when we started this video is still very much a nice to have
1: Yeah.
2: at this point, it's kind of status quo. Jason. Yes. As, as the official host of now, yes, please you raise your hand. Good sir.
0: So we, you know, as you know, we work with about 150 enterprise organizations around the world and there's probably 130 of them asking, what do we do today? like it not, I mean, back to Katrina's, you know, the future stuff, I'm not going to say it again, but today, what can we do today without spending tons of money because it's not actually, and to be honest with you, it's not even the money, it's speed. Mm -hmm. It's we're drowning. So I would love for you, love to hear you guys, you know, talk a, a little about that. Like what, what can, what can organizations do today to take what you're saying and turn it into action?
1: I have one very biased answer. (laughs) Teach your recruiters to write job postings and handle better hiring manager intake. Mm -hmm. I do an entire training on this and I can tell you, we have transformed companies, Fortune 100s, down to the critter control in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Because what it does is it changes your pipeline, it changes volume, And for every single company who has uttered the words, I want to stand out, this is the easiest way to do it because it is the very first touch point of every candidate experience. You are not a candidate until you've touched the job posting.
0: Elena, I don't want to say anything else until you get the opportunity to answer.
2: Oh, sir, Good. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I think from our video perspective, and there's lots, I think number one is Do what you can to really involve and be best friends with marketing compliance. Don't be afraid of them. Don't make assumptions that they actually won't wanna help you. Find ways to engage and say, how might we achieve this together and achieve the balance? I think those become some of the biggest fears around getting involved specifically with video itself because it can often be um, kind of a new new process for that. I think inevitably it's also thinking about and, and realizing that the way we think about video in our heads is so opposite and far from the truth of how we can capture this. This does not have to be Martin Scorsese, $100,000 Mercedes commercial type videos. Mm -hmm. Um, Inevitably what we wanna do, if what we're really talking about is saying that we want to empower our employees to do this, I think there's lots of opportunities, both in how we engage them in the process, to how we start democratizing tools to allow them to do that, which becomes a way that we can
3: end up, you know, scaling this meaningfully. There's a couple of comments. Everybody wants to work for you. And this is a compliment. This is exactly the point that we're making, that when you're transparent and truthful, when you, when you don't just say something, but you illustrate what that looks like. Show me, show me, show me, show me your values. Don't rainbow wash me, show me your values. Uh, that's what becomes so attractive. When we talk about building craveable brands and rave-worthy experiences, that was our conversation last week. When we talk about attracting talent, And turning that into experience that resonates, that's actually true inside the organization. It's really this kind of transparency you're both sharing. The biggest takeaway I could share about storytelling, if I had to
2: think about my biggest ingredients, number one is you have to lean into the suck. No one, and especially when we were working with youth, no one, even them, assumes that this is going to be a sunshine and rainbows kind of job. And if you do, are not, do not have the courage enough to ask yourself, why do people quit? And how are we going to frame that story to really help people understand? You may not be ready, be it for a truthful job post or a truthful video, number one. And then inevitably, and there's ways to go about this. You know, there's such a key point in ensuring that people truly understand the mission and the why you can get behind it, right? So at Home Depot, it's not that. You're here to sell tools. You are here to help create and help work with people who want to make their homes beautiful and safe and a sanctuary so they can be out there in their garden and and feel at peace, right? Like that is the message. And I I could get behind and work for Home Depot with something like like that. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Oh my! You guys dropped some tw- some serious tweets in this one. <laughs> did it, did that answer your J- your question, Jason? What to do now today? The upfront. Oh, yeah, it, uh, it, 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 about-
0: it, it answered my question, but it also just made everyone just call them. Yeah, <laughs> 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 three ears media. Yeah, right there. I see it right behind Katrina and um, the, the call to action button. Like, cause, I mean, uh, this is stuff that's new. It requires out of the box thinking um, as as um, someone said in the chat a few minutes ago. And I think that, you know, in just listening to the conversation, one of the stocks, not sucks, Elena, but one of the stocks where people get stuck is they, they think about things in the old school world. And, you know, even to change a job posting, Like, I mean, Katrina, I I totally agree with you. And I've never actually thought about it the way you just made me think about it. But I was like, oh, my gosh, like where I was in the last couple of weeks, organizations like that would take massive (laughs) change management just to change the way the job posting looks. And it's so stupid, because to be honest with you, the business doesn't care. It's HR that cares that that's the way they've always done it. And um I love what you said. I mean, it totally opened my eyes to something that I didn't even think about.
2: And I think we also have to embrace and hold space. And and I know that we can talk a lot of shit about the old school thinking HR, but I think we also have to hold space for the fact that for a very long time, HR was seen as they felt less than. Mm, Yeah. They were not invited to the table. They were forced to be compliant driven. Mm -hmm. They were forced to be the regulators. They were forced to be the mean deans. And I think it was because of society, because people had platforms that they demanded that companies start to treat their people better and start to show it in their policies. And so I really hold space for, for HR leaders, especially the ones that have been here for a really long time is because for a long time, they had their hands tied and weren't given the training or the development or the empowerment to do what now our our job our candidates and our these generations are now demanding and that and and that can be extremely challenging and tough and so I guess I always want to just make sure I'm holding space for that and not talking shit because I think it's it's hard when you're in an environment that that truly is limiting you despite the fact that you're trying to have a much more limitless mindset to how you approach this
0: thanks yeah. for calling that out
3: and nancy i just saw your chat so you reminded me of something you said earlier i love what nancy o'brien said earlier in the chat do people really want a job a job or do they want to do something i don't remember your words nancy but do they want to like do something meaningful and worthy and contribute value and katrina i'm sure you see this all the time all we talk about in a job description is what we need you to do and it's not meaningful, valuable, exciting. Like we, we and, and talk about leaning into the suck. I mean, we do have to talk about, like this is literally what we need you to do, but this is how we need you to be. This is who we are as a company and how we service our customers. And these are our values. This is how we'd love you to be and what, what you can contribute here. Like that's a whole different story to tell, but we get lost in 17 bullets about, the mundane, <laughs> and then we wonder why we, you know, we try to solve employee experience and engagement stuff later on down the funnel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh my gosh, it always goes way too fast. Thank you so much to both of you for being here. Thank you for your storytelling and for keeping shit real <laughs> with us. I think we did that today. <laughs> uh, I just, I love both of you. Uh, and, and the work that you do. Thank you, thank you. Thank you
0: thank very you. much.
1: Appreciate it. Thank you for the space.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, thanks for thanks everyone for being here in the community as usual. Um, it's always such a pleasure working with uh, such an amazing group of people that we have. Uh, fast, thanks for everyone saying we're over thirteen hundred. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So, thanks for uh, saying wow. that. Um, you know, and just remember, we do this every Friday at, at this same time, whether. Uh, Wherever we are around the world, so um, yes. thank you so much. And uh, Katrina, thanks for being here. Elena, welcome back. Uh, you're welcome anytime, and you can take over the co-host role anytime you want. Okay? Yeah, you're so oh, amazing, that, that, Yeah. You. Oh my gosh, Josh, it might be just Elena and I. That would actually be really fun.
3: Oh, that would be. That would
2: it's be gonna good. be a lot of like sirs, I. We're gonna like communicate through eyes, through eyes, exactly. like
3: <laughs> get the winks and the yes. Uh, next okay. week, by the way, because it feels a little bit related to this conversation, next week I have um, Lindsey Reggie joining us. She started a business as a freshman in college, employing 100% people with disabilities. 100% of her workforce is people with disabilities, and a freshman in college proves that inclusive business models not only work, they can be profitable and maybe everybody should think a little differently about who can actually contribute value in your workforce and how. I cannot wait for Lindsay. Uh, So thank you again, everybody, for being here. We'll see you next week. Have an amazing weekend.
0: Bye, love you guys.